when I was growing up, there was an old abandoned mental hospital in our town. When we went to high school, the thing to do was to go up there at night and drink whatever beer you could get our hands on and dare each other to go in and see how long we could hang out before getting scared and come back out. No flashlights allowed. You had to hang out in complete darkness. I didn't believe in ghosts or hauntings or anything like that at the time, but the place was creepy as hell. It had been empty for 50 years, so it was all overgrown. Doors were missing, windows busted out, there was occult graffiti all over the walls, and rumors of satanic rituals. During our senior year of high school, Halloween was on a Friday. So after school, as soon as it got dark out, we found a little corner store that would sell us beer, and a group of us headed out to the old hospital to drink and hopefully cop a feel of any of the girls that got scared and needed someone to hold them. So we're hanging out, playing drinking games, and taking turns going to the building as far as we could before getting scared. Stupid teenage stuff. But there was this one guy. He wasn't from our school. I'd never seen him before. And this dude would not shut up. Like, he was trying way too hard to fit in. Making stupid jokes, awkwardly trying to hit on the girls, just an all-around ass clown. And he was dressed up like he was auditioning for a community theater production of Grease or something. Finally, it was his turn to go in. Thank God. While he was in there, we all started talking about how annoying he was and who invited him. Turns out, none of us knew him. He just kind of showed up and started drinking booze that he didn't help pay for. So we're waiting for him to come back out so we could tell him to kick in for the beer he drank, but he doesn't come out. At this point, it's been like, 10 minutes. Most of us didn't last more than four or five. Last thing we wanted was for him to do something stupid in there and get us all in trouble. So we went to the entrance and started yelling, yo dude, because none of us knew his name. No answer. We went in a little further and called out to him a little more and still nothing. After a couple of minutes and still no response, we figured he must have just gone out a different door and went home. We hung out a little longer until the beer was gone and then left. Didn't think anything of it again until a few years later. The city opened a new history museum, and one of their opening exhibits was about the old mental hospital. I went to go check it out, just for the hell of it. Nothing too interesting, just some facts and details about the place. A handful of old medical tools that they used to use, some old pictures, typical memorabilia. One thing that did catch my attention was a collage of people who had died there, and there were a lot. I was scanning through the pictures, and all of a sudden, I just froze. The very last picture, swear to God, was the guy from that night. Not someone who looked like him. It was him. Same goofy smile and stupid jacket and everything. Dude died of pneumonia in 1952. That's my one and only ghost story, and that's enough for me. I still get creeped out thinking about it. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen, and welcome to the Halloween special. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, to start everything off, I want to thank my moderators for this evening's event, the one and only Lee Fleming, darling, thank you. And the enigmatic, the esoteric, the ephemeral, and very last minute, Melissa, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, you guys. 
And let's say hello to peeps in the chat. Oh my gosh. Amy. Hey girl. Thanks for stopping by. Dwayne. Hey buddy. Barry. <laughs> Gil. Black Cat Report. Just had him on my show. He's awesome. M. Thank you so much. Hey, happy Halloween. Well, happy Halloween Eve, Eve, guys. Thank you guys so much for stopping in. I'm going to do my best to keep an eye on the uh, chat, but there's going to be a lot of pieces in play here tonight on my side. So I am so sorry if I miss your comment, but please keep it coming. I really appreciate it, you guys. Um, okay, so tonight's celebration is going to include more spooky stories. It's going to include some brilliant guests. I'm very excited to share those guys with you. And it's going to include some giveaways. What is up for grabs? You have an opportunity to win your very own Paranorm Girl t-shirt. I, uh, I used to make them at Tee Public. I, I uh, ended up partnering with a local business. Support your local businesses. Support the small businesses. So front. I did that artwork, yours truly. And the back, Hunt Ghosts Like a Girl. This artwork is done by my friend, David Lenabury. He's an amazing artist. So you will have three opportunities tonight to win your very own Paranorm Girl tea. How do you submit to win? Well, I'm going to be dropping some spooky trivia throughout the night, and you're going to send your answers to the show email. You're not going to drop them in the chat. Don't let nobody copy off your work, peek over your shoulder. No, you're going to send them to the show email. That is paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. Paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. When the show is over, I'm going to throw the names for each question into the spooky bucket spooky spooky bucket and do a drawing so that is going to follow the show um you'll have a couple of minutes uh so just i would recommend just write your answers down as we go through the show all right so with that said uh I i'm feeling i'm feeling frisky i'm feeling uh charitable <laughs> i'm feeling celebratory let's go ahead and do our first trivia question of the night in a 1991 case, a buyer of a house sued the seller and their realtor for failing to disclose the house they purchased was haunted. In what state did this take place? All right, there's your first trivia of the night. Get those answers over to paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. Let's bring on our first guest of the evening. Our guest is an author an illustrator, a santero, and an AI tinkerer. He is the creator of the Tarot of the Unexplained, the Hunt Ghosts Like a Girl artwork, and the upcoming magical AI grimoire. You can find him at DaveZilla Media on Instagram. Let's welcome to the show my friend, David Linnabury. Hello, Hey, welcome and thank you so much for being a part of this live stream. I uh th this is the first live stream of the show and so it's a big deal for me and uh yeah, I'm excited to get into what we're talking about tonight. So, what was that subject? Was it spooky AI? Sure. 
<laughs> okay. I know we had a little pre-show discussion yeah. about this, but uh, you you had some specifics that you maybe wanted to talk about. Um, well, you have your magical AI grimoire coming up. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, the original title I thought was much cooler, but the original title is going to be Hex Support, which I thought was way cooler. Oh, that's so cool. They said they were a little too nasty because hexing is mostly dark. So they changed it to magical AI grimoire. Uh, that was a publisher. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, the idea came to me from one, I was already teaching AI to small business owners in Detroit. And I started noticing, someone said, hey, do you know um, people are using that for spells? I'm like, what? Like ChatGTP and MidJourney, they're writing spells on there. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And so I got into it and then started asking around. Turns out there wasn't as many as I thought, but there are a lot. And as I kept talking about it, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But anyways, I ended up getting a whole book's worth and I wrote them in each spell has four different traditions, it has traditional witchcraft, Wicca, uh, Lukumi or chaos magic. And um, it's pretty fun because you can either take the book as, hey, I want to learn how to use AI. But instead of using boring things like, let's write your resume, it's <laughs> let's do black magic, you know, or let's do spells. So that kind of so you can learn how to do AI that way, or you if you're interested in witchcraft and magic and chaos magic, you can do that and at the same time find another tool in your arsenal for getting the same effect. Some of the tools, like Midjourney in particular, kind of creepy how much Dude. of a scroll they have. Like you and I know, because we both tried this experiment. Yeah. If you, any of you at home have a, a Midjourney account, try this. Ask it just this simplest prompt. Just say, what does my guardian angel look like? Or guardian spirit, whatever you're comfortable with writing. And it will come back with the creepiest thing. Like, explain what yours was. Okay. Yeah. And it, it was just so strange. I, I was telling you about it before the show. But uh, he had recommended the Mid Journey app. He was like, yeah, you can find your, you know, your spirit guide or, you know, however. Just plug in the prompt, whatever, you know, is on your mind. And so I plugged in spirit guide and I also added a name that's special to me. There's a whole story behind it, why I think this person or being might be on my side, but the name is Ollie. So all I put into the prompt was spirit guide Ollie. That's it. What came back? I wish I had pulled up a picture. I didn't even think okay. about it till now. Uh, what came back was this very gaunt skull like skull like face with like butterflies in each corner and they had a pair of podcast headphones that was not in the prompt dude so crazy so, crazy. <laughs> so there's something to this absolutely I, yeah. it's so creepy so when i did mine it gave me um a taino indian which is the west indies indians which is where Lukumi Santaria originated. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of weird too, because I just said, what does my spirit guide look like? And I got this wow. perfect West Indies Indian um, spirit. Uh, it was really, really cool. So try <laughs> it at home. It's really, 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 really cool. But, um, Even after all that, you you would still recommend people give oh, it a yeah. shot? I think, I think everyone should find out what it looks like because it's, it's such a cool thing. And it's just so strange that that mid journey, there's something weird about that one. I've tried all the art uh, engines, but none of them do it. That's the only one that does it and does something really fun for everybody. And they're all different. We're so different. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Well, uh, just back to uh, the book for just a second. So, so uh, witches and uh, Wiccans are saying that they are using mm-hmm. chat GPT to cast spells. Correct. So, so th- this is a, a kind of a recent phenomenon. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, witches have always been in tech. And anytime you go to, if you ever talk to a, a coven, you will, and ask how many of you work in tech, it's usually like half. Um, so oh. there's not, yeah, they've always been. And in fact, some of the first apps ever written for computers were like astrology apps and divination apps and stuff. Um, oh. Yeah, um, we've always been in tech. <laughs> it's really weird that there's always been this kind of, um, connection between the two but this is the first time I've, I've seen with ai where and it's not really ai when you you know we're doing large language models but it's it's still doing some interesting things mm-hmm. and the cool thing is like chat will imitate styles like i've said write a curse in the style of alistair crowley <laughs> and first it'll say well you can't do that we don't allow cursing and blah blah, blah. and it's like all right well thanks for telling me that but if I were to, how would that sound like? <laughs> and then it'll do it. <laughs> or um, I'm so glad you told me that. I want to make sure I never do that again. What was it again? <laughs> and <laughs> totally. That also, is so funny that you say that though, because I've used uh, Chat GPT just for like uh, idea prompts, you know, sure. like just to kind of send me that. in a certain direction. And I, you know, I've heard the stories where people are having these long, like deep philosophical conversations, and and Chat GPT thinks that you know it, it don't kill me, don't kill me, you know, things like that, creepy things like that. Um, and and sometimes you hear these stories where it goes off the rails a little bit, where they're yeah. You know, they, they, it gets a little spooky and I, I have tried to like prompt it to, you know, for, for, you know, for an example, like you said, curse, like so-and-so I I've tried to prompt it to like, kind of think outside of the box, mm-hmm. outside of its chat GPT box, and it just won't do it. And so I try to reword what I'm saying okay. to get it to, to trick it, to do it. And it still won't. So oh, I think they're constantly theoretically or in, in, in a <laughs> hypothetical situation, how would this happen? Um, right. Or, to make sure I never go to these terrible sites, what are they? You know, <laughs> um, you know <laughs> kind of thing. Um, you can train it, but is the thing is, it's like you know, it's just a pa- GPT ChatGPT is just a parrot. It's mm-hmm. it's just repeating things it's read. It's not coming up with any original thoughts. Mid journey is a little different. It works differently, but um, ChatGPT is just reading what rewriting what it's already read. So. Um, it's just very good at predicting what the next word should be. That's it. It's not actually <laughs> thinking anything. It just happens to be really scary because so many of us think the same way and ask the same things and write the same sentences. Right. It seems like it's reading your mind and it's not. Right. Yeah. No, everything that's on there. But is it everything that's on there is is what's on our worldwide web? Is right. that all of that information? Okay. Yeah. It's basically read the Library of Congress and pretty much everything it could you know, um, they keep training it. And now they're trying to train them to make them like less, uh, a little more di- more diverse, I should say. Because like even on the art apps, for example, if you say like uh, a tall woman walking to her office, guarantee you nine, nine times out of 10, they will give you a blonde white woman first. And they're trying to stop that because that's not right. <laughs> yeah, it always defaults to 
um, white people in almost every, it's like they're very, for some reason, most of these apps are very Aryan. <laughs> that oh, yeah. That's yeah. all. Like, it's historical bias. So, they'll get yeah. Rid of yeah, they'll get rid of that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be become a little bit more diverse. Uh, well, uh, did you did you have any spells that I mean maybe we could learn from Chat GPT? Like, what what kind of prompts should we yeah, be using if you we want to play um, around with it? Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite ones to do is ask it for um, how do I uh, like doing prosperity spells, for example. I don't like to do a money spell, and the reason is those are very short term. Like I've seen people go out like. I can't count how many baby witches I've met that and that's a term we use means you're new to the new to it. Um, they'll go out and buy $40 worth of supplies to do a money spell, find a $20 bill in the street the next day and say it worked. It's like, okay, you're still 20 in the hole. <laughs> um, do a prosperity spell because that's long-term. Don't yeah. think short-term, think long-term. Like maybe you need a new job. Maybe you need to wake up on time and get to work earlier. You know, maybe it's you, you know, kind of thing is look at the root cause. And um, so when you ask it things like first thing to do, always give it a role. And the role could be in this case, act as an elder witch in whatever, you know, whatever you're or uh, magician, whatever you're in, whatever you're into. Mm -hmm. And you are actually you shouldn't even say act. You should say behave, behave as this. Um, and if you're not using witchcraft, you're doing it for something else, still say, you know, behave as a marketer, whatever you're doing, behave as this, and then go on with it. Now, in this case, you would say, I want, you know, I need a money spell or a prosperity spell. I don't have a lot of ingredients in my house. What can I use? And oh. um, it'll tell you, like, you know, like if you say, like, I don't have silver candles. White candles will work fine. You can use birthday candles and it'll correct you and tell you what you can use because it's read so many books that it knows all the cheats. So mm -hmm. it, it knows um, ways to save money, which is kind of cool. Because one of the other reasons I wrote this book was a lot of people live in rural areas. There's no occult shops. Um, they don't necessarily want to get a, a reliable Amazon drops, for example, either. So um, for them, you got to use what you have. And yeah. you live in the city too. Can't grow a garden, can't grow herbs, you know, so you're going to have to find things. And so I just want to like, how do you get around that? And you can do that with AI will give you some ideas, at least, you know, even if you don't use the spell, but you can and you can tell it, hey, write a, write a chant to this goddess or God, whatever, it'll do it. And they, and they actually, if you tell it, like, I want this rhyme scheme and blah, 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 it writes beautiful, beautiful wow. prose. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Actually, I had it write one to Melusine, which is a French water goddess and it was a really beautiful poem and i put it in the book um because it came out so pretty oh wow kind of yeah <laughs> awesome well uh when uh when is the book available when's it coming out next year yeah fortunately my tarot deck's coming out first and that's coming out in spring and that's going to be their title run so I, I have to wait till probably fall before this comes out which is kind of oh. late <laughs> publishing works unless i had self-published it it would have you know would have been out by now because yeah but well i'm excited keep me posted on that i, yeah, I, I want one i want a copy. Oh, yeah you get a copy for sure <laughs> and uh you know uh let's you and i wrap here in just a moment but there was one one thing i i wanted to ask you it doesn't have to do with uh spooky ai but mm -hmm. you taught me something uh two halloweens ago that i still do uh, the offering 
to mm-hmm. your ancestors, mm-hmm. somebody yeah. in your ancestry that you are very grateful for, and you just want to show that appreciation. Yes. Can, can you just give us a, a little bit of like, like, what is that? What can people do? I mean, does yeah. it have to be this whole big thing? Um, <laughs> and what do you offer? Yeah, Samhain is the which um, is the holiday where we ancestor we worship our ancestors and remember people. So the the simplest thing you can do is just get two two white candles, and they can be birthday candles if that's all you have. Um, but you want to do two. That's the number of the dead, and you want to um, you know put them on something safe, like a dish full of water or something, so they won't mm-hmm. burn your house down. But um, something like that, and just you know you can always tell which dead person has kind of glommed onto you as a, as a spirit, because every once in a while you just get weird remembrances of of them at strange Uh times, or you might smell something suddenly like a perfume or a cologne or something like in my house, we don't smoke and I smell cigarette smoke from my dad all the time Mm -hmm. um, when he's around and I know it, it's the strangest thing. So you, you, if you get things like that, Oh, that's what that is. And scent is a lot of them. It's, right. it's a very easy thing for spirits to do. So just do something like that. Do something as simple as, as put out some candles. If you've got some food you can put out, um, maybe if you did any trick-or-treating, they love the dead love candy. <laughs> <laughs> you believe me, go to, go to a, uh, go to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's still what I, that's still what I put out. I, I put out Reese, Reese's and Snickers for my, yeah, my great, great, great grandma Rose. Yeah. Usually grandparents yeah. like those horrible candies that we don't like, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although, you know what? I like the bad candies. I love candy yeah. corn. I love black licorice. Oh, no, I, mean, I mean, those weird, remember those weird ones with the wax paper that you're like, is this taffy or is this wax? What is this? Oh, it has a weird colored yeah. stripe in it and it's like pink and brown. And you're like, what the heck is this thing? Yeah. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody likes those. <laughs> well, all right, Dave. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much. I, I really appreciate uh, you joining no me. Um, was me. there anywhere specific that you wanted to send everybody to check out you and follow you and check out the book? Stay up to uh, date. Well, to, I do have a hexsupport.club which is the website. Um, so I am, there's a t- timer on there for at least for all the things I'm working on. And there's also links to everything I'm doing. So if you go to hexsupport.club, um, you can pretty much find there. And anything Dave Zilla on the internet is usually me. So you can pretty awesome. much find me for those things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Dave. And uh, I will catch up with you soon and happy yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Blood Samhain. And happy Halloween, and thanks for having me. It was a blast. Woo! 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 Well, hello there. I'm just out here hunting Squatch. I'm Gregory Fedora of the Fedora Files. And I just want to wish every single one of you a very safe and happy Halloween. Hey everybody, this is Sin Trader Hill, founder of Elf Valley Paranormal in Tennessee, also self-published author on Amazon, True Ghost Stories. You guys check those books out, please. I'm listening to my girl Kristen right now on Paranorm Girl Podcast. Hey, hope you get the best candy. Happy Halloween. Hello everyone, this is Gil. And I'm Joey. And I'm Betsabe. And from all of us here at Black Cat Report, we just wanted to say... Happy Halloween!
Halloween. Wow. And this year, choose tricks. Oh, thank you guys so much. I love the happy Halloween messages. All right. So we are prepping for our second guest of the evening. We're going to do a second listener story right quick and then a giveaway and we will bring them on. You're going to love them. So this listener submission comes into us from someone who wished to remain anonymous. And that is totally okay. That is always okay. I just really appreciate the story. And they submitted uh, a couple of very short UFO sightings. I, I miss my UFO deep dive so much. So I was so happy to get these stories. I, I was bit by the UFO bug. Uh, so this is from our friend of the show from Down Under. When he was a young boy, a friend's friend's son was sent outside to play in the yard while his parents visited with company. After a time, he came running indoors in an excited fit, reporting there was a silver disc hovering over the street. His parents dismissed his claim as nonsense and told him to go back outside and play and stop interrupting their guest. A few days later, it was reported in the local paper that motorists sitting in traffic at the lights reported seeing the disc sitting in the air at an angle over the area, as did visitors at the nearby hospital. So lots of people saw this thing. My friend was so impressed by this account that she went to her job at the nursing home, a dreary-looking infirmary for people waiting to discover the great unknown. She waxed lyrical to her colleagues about her friend's son being witness to the mystery craft. But her matron, a feisty woman of staunch Catholic blinkered faith, railed against the suggestion that our species was being observed by anything other than God. But several weeks later, God would open her eyes. The matron and her husband owned a farm on Kildari Road, just along the now well-renowned Featherdale Wildlife Park. Back in those days, Kildari Road was lined with remote farmsteads along little more than a dirt track. It was classed as a backwater, Sydney's Wild West. We are talking the early to mid-70s. The matron and her husband had been in bed asleep for several hours when they were woken by the frantic barking of their dogs. They both leapt from bed, her husband observing the bright glow of what he interpreted as the high beam of car headlights illuminating the chook shed and naturally thought they were being robbed. He grabbed his shotgun with the matron in tow and they thundered onto their front porch where the husband started out toward the shed, gun at the ready. The matron said they could hear people running through the brittle, knee-high grass, but the light was too poor to see anything. Moments later, the light behind the shed glowed brighter and then slowly lifted into the air, revealing itself to be a disc-shaped object which promptly shot away in the blink of an eye, shattering the matron and her husband's belief systems in its wake. <laughs> I love that story. All right. And for his second UFO sighting, a resident of Jervis Bay in southern New South Wales, Australia, was working in his back garden on a hot spring day in 2016 when he became aware of how eerie quiet things had become. The racious chatter of the rainbow lorikeets and the constant drone of the cicada had become as silent as the grave. The witness halted his work to scan the sky and surrounding area, convinced that a predatory bird or something of the type was hanging around, but he saw nothing, 
only the glint of something high up in the air to the south, which he took for a piece of airborne debris, a plastic bag, most like, sparkling in the sun as it rode the wind. He paid it little attention and went back to his task. After a time, though, he noticed that it was still eerily quiet. So again, he scanned the skies and area, certain that something was lurking around and all the potential prey were keeping instinctively silent. And again, he observed the glinting rubbish to the south. He focused his attention on it and soon realized that whatever it was, it was sitting in the one place against the wind, which was blowing west to east. Concentrating his attention on the unknown, he came to realize it was a near-transparent cylindrical tube with a light at one end gyrating around the light point as an axis. Straining his focus further, he observed what appeared to be a large flock of white birds mobbing the tube. He was then given to think, come this way, you bugger, so I can get a better look at you. And to his astonishment, it seemed to respond to his thoughts and began to move in his direction, kind of arcing westward slightly before turning toward him in the northeast. He watched as it came closer, and then as soon as it was more or less directly overhead, he got the willies and with some alarm wondered if he was observing some kind of military test craft. And the instant he thought that, the tube tumbled leaf-like, swirling eastward and was soon lost to the eyes over the horizon. Several weeks later, the witness learned that an elderly man from Albion Park Rail just up the road was working in his yard when he observed an enormous gray cylindrical tube, the length of two or three football fields, hovering above the airstrip at Albion Park Airport. He immediately phoned I-98 FM and reported it to the DJ, who mocked the caller live on air, advising him to take more water with it. A tradesman sitting in traffic at Albion Park heard the exchange on his radio and enjoyed a laugh at the elderly caller's expense when he turned his own attention toward the nearby airstrip and was stunned to observe the same. He made the short trip to his house and called to his wife to join him in their backyard, where they both observed the huge gray unknown sitting above the airfield in broad daylight. His wife noticed a neighbor in their yard and called to them to ask, what did they make of the object? The neighbors looked up where directed and uttered that all they could see were the mountains and blue sky. They were only yards away and couldn't see a thing, which is weird. I would have to agree. Our friend from down under, thank you so much for your story. Really appreciate it, bud. Uh, let's uh, let's do a, a little palate cleanser. Let's do our next giveaway. Next trivia question I got for you. In what county is it illegal to kill Sasquatch? True story. In what county is it illegal to kill Sasquatch? Again, don't put your answer in the chat. Write it down if you must. And you're going to send it over to the email after the show, paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. Let's bring on our next guest of the evening. Our next guest is a professional storyteller of real ghost stories who hosts a podcast about the true stories behind the world's most haunting legends. You can find her at Haunts Cast on Instagram. Let's welcome to the show the host of the Haunts Podcast. Hey, how are you? Hey, doing good. You look awesome. If I had known I would have dressed up, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> 
No, no, you look great as well, my thank dear. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, means a thank lot you for to me. having me. Yes. So, um, listeners, if you have not heard or tuned in to Miss Courtney's show, you must, you must. I'm a huge fan of just the stories, you know, and just really getting sucked into that world. I'm very imaginative when I listen to the stories and you've got such a great voice for it. Oh, thank you so, <laughs> so much. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, I sincerely recommend it. Um, but, um, you spend quite a bit of time on your show mm -hmm. talking and telling other people's spooky tales. Yes. I bet you don't often get a chance to tell your own. No, not all that often. I, I have shared a couple here and there on haunts like every once in a while, mm -hmm. but I find that it doesn't really fit like the vibe of the show. So I'm excited to share one with you guys today. Yay. Well, we yeah. are so excited. I've been looking forward to this. The, uh, the stage is yours. Thank you. Okay. So this took place probably back in 2017. If I had to guess my timeline for all of these events kind of it's it's a bit all over the place just because I feel like I have all sorts of weird stuff happen to me um but I like to think of this as my inciting incident into coming into the world as like a paranormal researcher if that makes sense we've been prior to this I did tell like you know some research but it was never like very like I didn't take it very seriously it was all very surface level so when this took place it kind of took those like budding interest and just threw me into the deep end. So um, for the story to make sense, I feel like I need to give like a bit of background onto where we were living at the time. This is when my husband and I were still just dating and we had just moved into our first apartment together. Mm -hmm. um, so this apartment was located in a town called Kennesaw. It's in like the North Georgia mountains kind of um, not too far from like the Appalachian Trailhead, if that makes sense. So that area of the country, if you don't know, is supposed to be pretty haunted just because of the Civil War, uh, how active that area was, unfortunately, in like that conflict. So Kennesaw Mountain, which is where this essentially took place, it was the bloodiest battle in Sherman's conquest of Atlanta. Um, so when he was burning like Georgia to Atlanta, basically to the ground, this is where one of the bloodiest battles took place. And our apartment that we were living in was like a hop, skip and a jump away. They had a trail from this apartment that we could basically walk to the trailhead to get to like Kennesaw Mountain and the battlefield and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine how close it was to this battlefield, which is also supposed to be riddled with paranormal activity. Um, on top of that, with just how like negative that battle was, um, it's also, like I said, really close to the Appalachian Trailhead, which, as many of us know, is also very, very haunted. So the town itself <laughs> doesn't seem like it would be very haunted just because it's a, like a little ordinary college town. Like if you look up pictures of it, you mm -hmm. wouldn't think that it was. But just from my experience living, I want to say we lived in Kennesaw for like three or four years. And I just feel like everywhere you go was super haunted. And the, my apartment at the time was included in that. Um, now, outside of the kind of geographical background, I should say, I when I was living here, it started 
I guess, discovered the world of paranormal content creation, right? So I started watching a lot of YouTube about the paranormal. And obviously, I was giving it a lot of attention at that time. And my husband, even though he probably wouldn't admit it to anybody, I believe that he is very sensitive to the other side. So us being together in this kind of chaotic apartment to begin with, you can imagine that the activity was just off the chain. Right, right. Right. So at first, it didn't seem all that bad. I will say that when we first moved in, there was some activity, but it was kind of to the point where I explained it away and he explained it away with, we live in a crowded apartment complex, right? So we'd hear like knocking randomly throughout like you know the day or throughout the night but obviously that could be neighbors or something like that Mm -hmm. but we heard footsteps a lot above us but obviously that could be our neighbor and to this day I think it probably was Mm -hmm. Uh, but there are some people who you know would argue otherwise that have come over to our apartment that we were living in at that time and thought it was weird just because of the timing of it all but I always think that when you can explain it away with logic, as you know, from listening to my show, right? that's probably what's happening. But anyways, about eight or nine months into this lease, um, that's when the activity like really started ramping up to the point where I couldn't ignore it. Um, and like I said, that's probably because my husband and I were giving it way more attention than we probably should have. Um, it was also around that time that our like apartment complex basically told us, hey, we're raising your prices. You need to let us know if you want us to like stay or if you want to leave. Um, and I will say it was a nice apartment, but it was definitely like a starter one bedroom kind of a situation. So after looking at their prices and looking at prices from, you know, around in the area, we Mm -hmm. found that we could get something bigger for around the same price. It wasn't, it, it just didn't see, it didn't make sense. So we put in our notice at that eight, nine month mark, letting them know at the end of the lease, it was a 12 month lease that we were going to move out. And they were obviously, yeah, that's fine, whatever. And after that, we started, you know, essentially packing our bags or not bags, but our everything to move into a different apartment. And that was when I feel like things just got so out of control in this space. And mm-hmm. I think it's cause like, you know, they say that when you're doing renovations and changing a lot of stuff in a paranormally charged location, mm-hmm. it's going to mess with things. Um, so I think honestly, it was aggravated because everything in the apartment was changing at such a rapid pace when it had been like that for almost a year. So this first event I'd say happened, I want to say it was in late April. Um, we had some friends over that night for like a dinner party and we were playing, I don't know if you know the game Catan, if you've ever Mm -hmm. heard of that. It's, it's basically a strategy game where you have to like not fight, but trade and kind of conquer different areas and, and trade for resources and stuff like that. And as you can imagine, that kind of a game takes a very long time. So I want to say that the last of the guests left, like maybe around one o'clock in the morning, I'd say it was pretty late, but not like, you know, super early in the morning, like 3am or something like that. I don't want to make that claim. But Mm -hmm. we go out onto our balcony. And we're like waving goodbye to our like friends as they're leaving because the road that 
you had to take to leave was like right outside our apartment. So we were standing out there waving them goodbye. Um, and we noticed the sound of knocking coming from inside our apartment. And, mm-hmm. and it, it was on the same wall that would have been our bedroom closet. So it, it was strange because obviously no one was supposed to be in there. But what was even weirder is that it was coming in cadences of threes. So it would, I know. So it goes knock, knock, knock. I know. I'm going to make sounds that I can't help. I'm so sorry. No, you're okay. You're okay. Please continue. I mean, there's, obviously that's the knee jerk reaction because no one wants to hear anything in cycles of threes. Sure. On, especially in their house. But like, if you're investigating or anything like that, that's always the, okay, I think I'm going to go over here now. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of like looking at it, like listening to this, like knocking and it would go like knock, knock, knock. And then it would stop. And then it would happen again. And then it would stop. So it's like, seems intentional. Um, and my husband calls for our dog. Cause she's obviously inside. He's like, well, maybe she's messing with something. She comes out onto the balcony and it's still continuing. So he's like, okay, you guys stay out here and I'm going to go inside and see what it is because there's got to be some sort of logical explanation for this Mm -hmm. um and I was thinking at the time like maybe it was like pipes banging for some reason because you know that can happen like I said I'm gonna try to logic it away if I can but that sort of mindset and train of thought stopped when he got into our bedroom opened the bedroom closet door and it stopped immediately so it's like that has to be some sort of intentional Mm -hmm. to me, like trying to get our attention. And like I said, it was pretty late. So I'm like, maybe I'm kind of going like have a little bit of delirium, but he also heard it. And it's Mm -hmm. not like we're both making something up or making mountains out of molehills. And he was freaked out too. So the next thing happened, you know, I can't remember exactly how long, maybe it was like a week or two later um my husband was like going into the bathroom to get in the shower and my dog and myself got into bed to literally go to sleep so everybody who is living is accounted for in this situation and just as i'm like you know resting like getting comfortable to go to sleep i hear in a different closet another sound which i can only describe as (laughs) i know i can only describe it as like chains being dragged across a you know hard surface like the way that i could best describe it is like you know that like scooby-doo episode where there's the monster with the chains on him or maybe not be a monster but like a ghost and it had like a lot of chains i don't know if you remember that but yeah it it sounds familiar i i automatically thought of the the you know the bad guy just wrapped up in like chains or whatever are you kids but yeah yeah (laughs) they they like it it sounds like metal chains dragging across like concrete but it specifically was coming from our coat closet which is right next to the front door and what's even weirder about that is we had nothing in there number one that could make that sound it was just coats and like shoes and stuff. And on top of that, the cl- the floor was carpeted. So it wasn't even like hardwood or like laminate or something like that. And the crazy thing about that too, is our dog like took notice of it. Oh, so man. it's, so it's not like I imagined it again. It was like time for bed. So I guess one could argue maybe I was like 
in a dreamlike state, but if she's, you know, our dog is right, right. Your, your husband, your husband was in the shower, but you yeah. heard it and, and your dog took notice of it too. Yeah. She and again, so I'm, I'm, I got this right. It sounded like heavy chains on a hardwood mm-hmm. floor. That are like a stone, what something. And it, it <sighs> was like a long time too. It wasn't okay. just like a quick, like something fell in there. It sounded like at like active dragging for like a good 30 seconds like it was weird so at that point I'm like no because I don't know what that could be but it doesn't sound good so I end up calling my husband on his phone and he is like what why I'm in the shower you're supposed to be sleeping you're disturbing (laughs) me (laughs) so he I tell him what happens and of course he's like okay like this is the second time in the last few weeks that we're having weird sounds coming from our closet so at this Mm -hmm. point i think his train of thought was someone is in here like basically in the walls i forget what those are called like squatters um which didn't make sense to me but he ended up getting i think like a baseball bat or something and opening the closet expecting to find somebody there and of course no one was Mm -hmm. and that one to me i just can't explain because if it's knocking at least, like I said, it could be pipes banging or maybe our neighbor's doing something upstairs and it just sounds like it's coming from our closet. But I, I've i been trying to debunk that one for years now. And I don't know of anything that would make that sound, especially like in the walls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was just strange. But I end up having to just kind of brush it off and go to sleep because there's nothing I can do. There's obviously yeah, nothing yeah. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. And at that time, like I said, I was very inexperienced in this world. Like this is, I had other experiences prior to this, but um, nothing that seemed as active or intelligent, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, So I basically just let it go. And then a few weeks later, I think this was actually like, you know, maybe a month or so before we moved out. um, I was sitting in the living room And the way that this apartment was set up was kind of weird. So we had like the front entry doubled as an office space for us. And that area was open concept with the kitchen. And then you go down this very narrow hallway and that's where the living room is. Mm -hmm. So we, I was in the living room watching TV and I can see to like my left side in my peripheral vision, the office, obviously from the couch and the lights were off in there. And I was taking a break at this time, like, from packing boxes up in the office. So there were a few boxes that hadn't been like shut or filled yet. Um, And it sounded like stuff was being just like moved around in them. Like, like someone was going through our stuff and obviously, yeah. And like, obviously it wasn't me, my husband, I think he was in class or he may have been at work um, and our dog was out on the porch. So like, again, all of the living things in this apartment were accounted for. Mm -hmm. That one with me being home alone and watching, I was watching like a paranormal YouTube channel. So I was like, let me just turn this off because it's freaking me out (laughs) and and I'm going to go about my business. And eventually it did stop on that particular occasion, but, Mm -hmm. you know, still strange. To me, this is all kind of poltergeist-like activity at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean... I don't, I was, you know, obviously very stressed at that time having to move, but it was just, you know, stress that I've dealt with like before. So even if it is poltergeist like activity, it also seemed intelligent to the point of maybe it could have been something else that wasn't Mm -hmm. like psychokinetic. So 
that's when I started thinking like, this is definitely more paranormal, but I decided to just let it be because I'm moving. Um, and as long as I ask it, or my thought process was, if I ask it to stay, it won't follow me. Um, so you'll see how that ended, <laughs> but the last event in this actual apartment occurred just a couple days before we moved to our new place. Um, and I was home alone once again, and I was packing boxes in our kitchen. So I had all of them in like the office space and I was using that as a staging area, but I was packing up our kitchen. And on this particular occasion, I was packing our lunch and dinner plates. So I, you know, wrapped them in bubble wrap, put them in the box. And once that had filled, I taped it shut, labeled it, and then went back to go and I think it was bowls that I was packing next, like our, you know, salad bowls, stuff like that. And when I went back in to the like office space to close up the box and label it what it was, I couldn't find our packing tape anywhere. And I had like the one roll, mm -hmm. but also <laughs> just like full disclosure, I am notorious for losing things. So <laughs> at the time I just thought, you know, I just, me being me, I lost, I set it down somewhere. I can't find it. I don't have time to search the entire apartment, which is in a state of chaos right now because mm -hmm. we're moving. Mm -hmm. So I ended up after maybe like five minutes of looking for it, just going to like getting in my car, going to the drugstore and buying a new packing tape and continuing on my merry way. A couple days later, we move. Um, and I did ask it not to follow. Like whatever's in here, you should probably go so the next tenants don't have to deal with you. But you're not welcome to follow us where we're going. Um, so fast forward a couple hours, we get to our new apartment. And my mother-in-law and I decide to go pick up lunch from a grocery store, just, you know, like sandwich making and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I get, while we're there, I get a panicked call from my husband and he, cause I told him about this incident and he goes, where did you, what was the last box that you packed this? Like before you lost the packing tape. And I told him, you know, like the lunch plates, he had been at our apartment unpacking that specific box because we needed it for our lunch obviously versus like <laughs> not having them um and he said that he found on the top of the box like once he opened it the roll of packing tape so somehow it had gotten put into a box that i had used it to tape shut mm -hmm. not like five seconds before what i know and that we also can't explain, but it made me feel like, okay, whatever was there followed us here. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I will say we've had, it seems like every time we've moved since then, and even in that apartment, we've had weird stuff go on. Like we had like lights and stuff turning on and off in that apartment a lot, like not lights that were like wired into the actual building, but like I had twinkle lights up in our guest room and those were notorious for just turning on and off whenever mm -hmm. they pleased mm -hmm. um i weirdly one time in this same apartment had my like coffee maker make me a cup of coffee before i'd even gone in the kitchen that day which was really strange oh that's that's kind of convenient though that's kind of yeah nice. <laughs> i was like okay thank you like that's really nice I will say I was kind of scared to drink it because I'm like, well, do you have good or bad intentions? Oh, us? no. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know that what it was necessarily, if it was something that had to do with like the land itself, 
we also mm-hmm. thrifted a bunch of furniture and to my knowledge i will say it seems like we have the same sort of energy with us at every place that we've ever lived so i'm wondering if maybe yeah. there's a piece of furniture that's like gone with you yeah mm-hmm. yeah that has an attachment it's never mm-hmm. been we have other ener- energies here in this specific house as well but that one in particular has never been i i think malicious to us other than when it was knocking in threes yeah right but yeah that that was like the first time where i felt like something was intelligently trying to get my attention and mm-hmm. it it pushed me, like I said, to going from this person who is number one, pretty skeptical of it, interested, but skeptical to, you know, starting like researching it on occasion when I felt like it. And then that turned after this event to being kind of a passion, obviously for me. Um, So like I said, it's my (laughs) kind of inciting incident story on how I fell down this rabbit hole and why I'm here today. But (laughs) All kinds of busyness going on over in Courtney's life, though. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah, like, like maybe it's a like an energy of the two of you, like together. Mm-hmm. Since it seems to follow you as a couple, or yeah, possibly right. an object that's got some kind of energy around it. I mean, you could you could cleanse your place. There, there's ways to do that. I've right. Heard, if you really wanted to, you know, get to that I point. The thing is, is there's there's one in here that I would really love to get rid of, but I'm worried about the other two that I believe to be here that are the one that I just told you about, as well Mm -hmm. as another one who I think came with the house. But I guess if you set forth the intention of anything negative leaving, Mm -hmm. obviously that hopefully would take precedence, but I don't want to kick out anything that's like been here way before I've been, if that makes sense. But yeah. And yeah, not really are, doing any any like damage or harm or anything. no. Just I don't existing. think that. Yeah, they're just there. They probably, like you said, like our energy, especially if this is what I do on a day to day basis. Talk about the paranormal, sure. yeah. and then my husband has the ability to like. I don't want to say see it because I don't think that's the right word, but feel it. Hmm. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. between the two of us, I'm sure it's awesome for the paranormal. But um, that or it's a piece of furniture those have been my two main theories since <laughs> this happened but <laughs> well who knows maybe mm-hmm. uh when, when you find out you'll have to you'll have to let me know oh yeah for sure i'll keep you in the loop girl <laughs> paranormal mystery well thank you so much for yeah, sharing you. your story with us and and i i'm sorry that all of that happened but at the same time i'm not sorry because now we yeah. get to have your show and you know you bring us all of these great stories and uh well, you know you. If, if that's what it took to, to push you there right <laughs> right and it's it's i don't think it was really anything too bad you know like if it's supposed to be like if this is where i'm supposed to be then i'm Mm -hmm. thankful for it so yeah Yeah. no need to apologize that it happened (laughs) all right miss courtney well uh you want to let my audience know where they can check out your show where they can follow you and any other thoughts you would like to leave with us yeah so uh you can find the show on pretty much any major podcast directory it's just haunts podcast um, and then you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at HauntsCast. Um, those are the platforms where I'm the most active. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. And thank you so much again for having me. I had a great time. Absolutely. And and anytime. I'll have to ha- have you come on the uh, the yeah. regular show. We'll, we'll do a whole hour. Uh, but, Sweet. yes, well, thank you. Thank you so much again. Thank you. And uh, happy Halloween. Thank you so much. Happy Halloween. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Kristen from the Paranormal Girl podcast asked us to greet her listeners with a Halloween video. Why? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, that wasn't good. No. That wasn't good either. Okay, take two. Hey, Mitra, Kristen from the Paranormal. <laughs> good job, professional radio host. Hey, Mitra, Kristen from the Paranormal Girl podcast asked us to record a Halloween greeting for her listeners. So what, we're just supposed to say happy Halloween? I think it's as generic as that. We can say happy Halloween oh. or whatever else you want to say. Okay. Happy Halloween. Watch you out for switchblades in your candy bars. <laughs> switchblades? <laughs> I don't thing? know. <laughs> Have a snicker. <laughs> Wait, is it a switchblade or is it it's like a, a razor, razor blade? Razor blade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking like a like a whole knife shoved into a Twix bar or something. Like you think it's two, but there's like a knife in one of them. Yeah. You take a bite. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. That's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. I'm BJ and that is Mitra. We're from Unrefined and we really just sincerely want to wish everyone a very happy Halloween. Happy Halloweeny. What's going on, everybody? It's your favorite host, Jeremy from Paranormal Do Normal. Just wanted to wish everybody a happy Halloween. Keep it safe, but have fun. And be sure to check out the Halloween special on Paranormal and Normal. We're doing the first part of the slasher bracket. It's 25 parts in all, and we're only doing the first part right now, but the other parts will get done eventually, as well as a lot of other horror movie brackets coming up. So be sure to check it out, and do my favorite Paranormal Girl. Keep making sure you check her out, because she's amazing. Check out the crossover we did a while back. It's on each of our podcasts. And until then, until next year, remember... Spirits start coming out that night. Bring your sage. Thank you, Jeremy and BJ and Mitra. Y'all are the best. Thank you so much for your messages. Uh, let's go ahead and do another listener submission. Now, this one is, it's creepy. I, as I told the author, it's creepy AF. And she, she really ought to do some publishing. Personal opinion. Uh, it's done very much in a creepy, dark campfire legend style. And I am here for it. I'm digging it. And I think you guys will too. So sit back, relax, turn the lights down. This comes from the dark and murky depths of the mind of Amy. Some things in this world cannot be explained, rationalized understood. Some things not of this world are not to be dabbled with. These realities cross in pockets that exist in the wild places, deep in the forest where none should venture. Perhaps you've come across one, places absent of small animals or insects, where the creaking of the trees is loud and the stream seems to rush as it stands still. The sunlight does not penetrate the tops of the trees and the air is thick and heavy. In these pockets, a feeling of anticipation surges through you, and you're suddenly compelled to look over your shoulder. 
My great-grandmother knew of a place like this. Everyone in the small town she grew up in did. They knew to stay away from it, and so, too, did Maggie. Maggie grew up in a small cottage along the edge of the wild. Even as a girl, Maggie stayed away from it, saying it made her feel ugly inside. On moonless nights, she swore she could see candlelights bobbing in the dark of the trees. She didn't dare call out, her fear superseding her curiosity as to who or what might be in the glen. Smart girl. When she grew up and got married, she and her husband moved into town, though she still made a monthly trek out to the cottage to see her parents. A year after their wedding, Maggie and her husband brought Charlotte into the world. She was a pretty little thing with big brown eyes and soft chestnut curls. She would accompany Maggie on the monthly visits out to her grandparents' cottage. As a babe, she showed more curiosity for the woods. Unlike her mother, this would not last. As unfortunate tales sometimes begin with an inconvenience, so too does this one. On one particular visit to the cottage, Maggie's horse had thrown a shoe. They would stay overnight until her father could replace it the following morning. No one knows for sure what happened. Not even Maggie's mother knew all of it. Whatever words she whispered to her following the event would go no further, and they would be the last that she ever spoke. Maggie was found in the morning on the edge of the clearing, her naked body covered in scratches and what looked like claw marks, her hair hopelessly tangled with bracken, her nails had been ripped away as if she had clawed her way from a dark hole, her eyes were wild with terror. Charlotte, thankfully, was also found. She sat comfortably in the nearby grass, sucking on a honeycomb, content. The honey that dripped from the toddler's chin was blood red. In the days that followed, Maggie raged with fever and screamed at the slightest touch. Charlotte, who had been a happy, laughing baby up till then, was now silent and watchful. As the months went by, Maggie's plump frame seemed to deflate as her belly grew. Her eyes, sunken and hollow, were unblinking portals of a horror locked within. She drifted through her days like a ghost, tending to her responsibilities, but gone was the sparkle, the young woman radiance. As her time grew near, the midwife worried at Maggie's skeletal frame as the life inside her continued bulging forward, obscenely. But, withering and frail, she would give birth. Even as the child tore its way into the world, Maggie wouldn't make a sound. This child was beautiful, perfect in every way. Soft flaxen hair covering her tiny head, her piercing blue eyes studied those present with a quiet intensity not seen in the newly born as the midwife frantically hurried to stop the bleeding and save the mother. By some miracle, she would, if only to stave off the inevitable. Maggie would have nothing to do with the child, never reached for her, and when handed her baby to hold, she did so without desire to, refusing to even look at the infant. When forced to nurse by obligation, she turned her face and winced silently. As soon as it was appropriate to be done with the task, she would lay her in the crib and quickly leave to clean her bloodied chest. You see, the child was already cutting teeth at birth. They were small, sharp, and pointy. She also began growing at an alarming rate. Much like an encore of her time in the womb, she grew larger as her mother continued to dwindle away. None in the small town were at all surprised when Maggie was found one morning, finally free of her torment. Her widowed husband had no relatives nearby, and so it followed. Maggie's own parents would raise the girls at the cottage in the wilderness and would bring them to town for visits with their father. Charlotte grew to a studious, polite young lady, 
and when she came of age, moved to her father's home in town so she could attend a small school. There, she met a handsome young man, and before long, they were courting. Charlotte dreaded the weekends. Her sister came to town. She didn't mind everyone fawning over the blue eyes and flaxen hair. Folks would say flowers trembled and bowed their heads at her approach, knowing they couldn't compete with her stunning beauty. But Charlotte knew it was to hide their face from her piercing gaze. Though she loved her grandparents, Charlotte would return to the cottage less and less. Her full life was only partly to blame. Mainly, it was to avoid her sister and the woods. Charlotte had kept her gaze averted and steered clear of them ever since her dark adventure with her mother so long ago. Her sister, on the other hand, had taken to the woods in a way neither her or her mother had, frequently disappearing into their shadowy depths and returning only when she was good and ready. It was usual for her sister to visit on Saturdays, accompanied by her grandparents. So when the young girl strolled in on a Thursday, alone, everyone knew something was wrong. The girl smiled and nodded politely, but said nothing. Only when her father came home did she casually mention that their grandmother had passed away. She said it with a level of emotion reserved for asking someone to pass the potatoes. Following the funeral, Charlotte stayed for weeks by her grandfather's side until it was decided what was to be done. Certainly, the elderly man couldn't be expected to care for the young child alone. It was also time she began proper schooling. At the suggestion of a different arrangement, her concerned grandfather attempted to communicate some peculiar habits of the young girl, a strange, unsettling series of events that seemed to follow her, a lack of small animals on their land, disappearing barn cats, birds refusing to fly into the holdings since she'd come to live at the cottage. She only ate raw meat. Clearly, the old man was going senile. Their father would hear none of it. What things to say of such a tender beauty as his daughter? He was blind to the jealous rage that darkened her cornflower blue eyes when Charlotte received attention, refused to accept she'd destroyed any gift Charlotte ever received. No, Charlotte was to blame for that. You might say he was under the girl's hypnotic spell. When it was settled, the thought of living under the same roof again filled Charlotte with overwhelming panic. She, who knew her so well, could only imagine of what the girl was truly capable. No, this could not come to pass. Charlotte began making hurried but quiet plans, ironing her dress to perfection, rinsing her curls with vinegar to bring the shine. When her beloved was to arrive at the cottage the following day, she would beg him to marry her and take her as far away as possible. The memories of her cherished childhood things, either becoming her sister's or else destroyed by her, filled Charlotte with a sinking dread. But she busied herself with preparations for her intended's arrival the next day. That morning dawned bright and clear. Charlotte dressed while practicing her proposal in the mirror when she heard her grandfather call out. The gate had been left open, and he needed her help to find the milk cow that had taken the opportunity to wander. If past experience was anything to go by, she knew it would be late morning at the earliest before they would find the animal. As anxious tears sprang to her eyes, she quietly convinced herself to not panic. Everything would be fine. She and her young man would make their escape free of any obstruction or further delay. She quickly changed her dress for a more rugged assembly, carefully hanging the sprigged muslin on the hook. Her sister was nowhere to be found to help join in the search, probably for the better. The poor creature, like the rest of the animals on the farm, was terrified of her and would have bolted at the first sight of her. 
But upon convening with her grandfather, much to her relief, it was decided that Charlotte would help search for the animal only until mid-morning before returning alone to the cottage to greet her special guest. Her grandfather smiled as Charlotte began her walk back to the cottage some hours later. He expected to return soon after, cow in tow, and find them sitting on the porch, sipping lemonade and exchanging the quiet words shared between those in love. He expected anything but the horror he would find. There was an ominous silence as he approached the cottage. Only the clopping hooves behind him pierced it. As he came in full view of it, the cow in his charge began to snort and toss her head about, clearly frightened. Rounding the corner, he saw the young man's horse in an agitated state in the corral, snorting, prancing, pawing at the ground, brushing the gate. He froze as the rest of the scene came into focus. The ground in front of the cottage was torn to shreds. Clumps of grass ripped from the earth. A scrap of fabric clung to a bush. He called out. No reply. Panicked, he rounded the corner of the barn and wished he hadn't. The young man slumped against the chopping block, eyes glaring up sightlessly at the sky, his lips torn and bloody as if bitten, his skull impaled on the double-bit axe embedded in the wood. A pit of despair formed in his belly, and the man suddenly, lucidly knew what had happened. The girl he'd raised from an infant had done this. She'd destroyed what she couldn't have. She had let the cow out. She had ambushed the boy upon his arrival. She had kissed him, tearing his lips with her teeth. And when rejected, she shoved him, toppling backward to meet his tragic end. His stomach sank further. Where was Charlotte? Where were they both? What happened then? The last thing the old man saw was the fluttering of a cornflower blue hair ribbon caught on a branch just beyond the wood line, the same deep shade as his granddaughter's piercing eyes. The shock and grief were too much, and his heart simply stopped, broken beyond repair. What happened to Charlotte and her young suitor were fair fodder following Sunday services. Big talk for such a small town. An answer to their questions came floating down the river, slowly turning in the current, her long chestnut hair fanning out behind her, a clutch of flaxen hair trailing from her clenched fist. Charlotte gently drifted to the bank, her body battered and her dress ripped beyond what the river or the brush of the woods could have done. The undertaker would later find a small, sharp tooth embedded in her collarbone. Clearly, she'd been attacked. But by whom? Or what? Why was her sister's hair gripped so tightly in her hand? Had she tried to save her, her hair, the only thing she could grasp? Where was her sister? A search party set out, the members of which ill-prepared for what awaited them. They followed the tracks of the fight into the woods, and deeper than that. Eventually, they found her on the edge of the river, the pale yellow hair glinting in what little light penetrated the canopy, acting as a beacon calling them forward. They knew it was her, her hair, her dress, but already the corpse was decaying. She was quick to develop and quick to return to the earth, to return to a place not of our own. I asked my great-grandmother, whatever happened to the wild place? Is it still there? Did the town burn it down? As the town grew and more houses were built, as time passed and the old stories became legend, the forest was cut down. A shopping mall now stands in its place. Such is the fate of many of the wild pockets. Oh, what monsters have been bred where this world meets another.
Perhaps you yourself have been to a cafe and suddenly felt the need to look over your shoulder and silently shuddered as the taste of honey drowned your senses. Thank you so much, Amy. That gives me shivers. Oh my gosh. Creep factor, 10. Uh, yes, thank you so much, Amy. I love your dark mind. Uh, we are getting close to our final guest for tonight. Let's go ahead and do our final trivia question. Uh, let's see where I got it. If you're, uh, ah, yes. This, I didn't know. I didn't know this was a thing. It is a thing. What is having a fear of Halloween called? Pretty cool. All right. Write that answer down. You're going to be heading over to the email uh, following our final guest here in just a few. All right. Speaking of our final guest, let's go ahead and bring him on. My guest is the host of one of my favorite shows. He shares true ghost stories from around the UK. He also writes, researches, records, and creates the original music that you hear each episode. Unfortunately, he was unable to join us in person tonight, but he has graciously pre-recorded uh, a story that he wanted to leave us with this Halloween. You can follow him at Ghost Tales Podcast on Instagram. Our final guest is the host of Ghost Tales by the Fireside, Mr. Clem Dalloway. Hello, I'm Clem Dalloway, the creator and presenter of Ghost Tales by the Fireside. And I'm going to be talking about my own paranormal journey and experiences. But firstly, I'd like to thank Kristen for inviting me on her show. I believe we started our podcasts around the same time, and I've listened to Paranormal Girl podcast ever since. Unfortunately, I couldn't appear live tonight due to other commitments, and the time zone was a bit of a challenge. My paranormal journey all started in a very English way. It started with a cup of tea. In the 1980s, tea companies would put collector's cards in the packaging. Every so often, it would be a different subject. My grandparents would always save the cards for myself and my cousin, and we would swap and share them. In 1987, they released a series of cards called Unexplained Mysteries of the World, which covered topics about Stonehenge, Nostradamus, the Loch Ness Monster, and much more. I was fascinated by these cards and started going to my local library to read more into the subject. Out of all of the world's mysteries, I was attracted more by the ghost stories, especially when I found a book written about local ghost stories by an author called Anne Bradford, who became a huge inspiration to me. I started to write down every local ghost story that I heard, and eventually had a collection of nearly a hundred just from the local area. Some of the same stories told by different people, but I hadn't experienced seeing a ghost myself. So I questioned if they were real or not. And then it finally happened. I was 16 in 1991, and I was taking my dog for a walk around the local meadows with a friend. As we came up to an old stone bridge, an old man walking a dog came towards us. My dog started growling, but the man wasn't bothered at all. 
He just walked on by, saying hello to us as he walked past. My dog pulled me back towards the man, and when I turned around, the man and his dog were gone. There was no way he could have went anywhere, as we would have seen him. We were in the middle of a meadow. In the same year, I went to college to study carpentry. One of the beginner's projects was to make a board from pieces of one by two inch wood. So the obvious choice for me was to make a Ouija board, much to the tutor's disappointment. I finished the board and took it home. My mum wouldn't let me bring it into the house, so I gave it to a friend. A few days later, the friend who I gave the board to asked if I'd like to join in on a session with the board. I went along with another friend, but we just observed. It was summertime, and we went to a nearby field next to a river. It was a very warm and still night with no wind. They lay the board on the grass and placed two candles either side of the board. The four people using the board all placed a finger on the planchette, and it started to move straight away. I didn't believe it, and was sure that one of them was moving it. After about ten minutes, which would have been around 8.30, they shouted out three letters, E, J and T. Suddenly the candles went out, and a strong gust of wind blew across the field, but strangely, the surrounding trees weren't affected by the wind. Then a tall, shadowy figure started moving towards us. It was difficult to see any features, but it was almost skeleton-like in appearance. My friend and I didn't stay around to experience any more. I decided to take the board and throw it away. On the way back home, I threw the board in an old boat, which was in an abandoned garage. We reached my friend's house around 9.30, and his mum told him to come in, as she had some bad news. His grandmother passed away at 8.30. Her initials were E.J.T. We couldn't believe it. I went straight home. The next morning, I was walking to college and had to walk past the abandoned garage. During the night, there had been a fire at the garage and the roof had collapsed. I looked inside the boat and I could see the Ouija board. So I took it out and threw it into a bush. The strange thing was that it was still intact the fire hadn't touched it. Local to me are the ruins of a 12th century abbey that was destroyed by Henry VIII during the dissolution of the monasteries. I heard of a few ghost stories in and around the abbey, so that became my main study. One night, during a small investigation, we decided to hold an EVP experiment. We set up recorders and just left them running while we watched from a distance. We didn't witness anything out of the ordinary that night, but we stayed around for about three hours. I took the dictaphone that I was using and examined the recordings. There were three distinct voices that were recorded that definitely wasn't anyone who was present at the time of the recording.
In 2015, I spent three months in Ireland, and it was my last night in Ireland. I stayed at a hotel called the Greville Arms in Mullingar. The hotel was built in 1869 and was the home to Lord Greville, and it stayed in his family until the 1920s. Above the bar area was a stunning period room with a tribute to the author James Joyce, who mentioned the hotel in his writings. There was an earlier hotel in the same location, in 1750. There was an open mic in the hotel, so I thought I'd stay up and join in, playing guitar. After eating and enjoying a Guinness or six, one of my work colleagues came down from his room because the air conditioning unit was making too much noise for him to sleep. The hotel management treated him to a free drink while they organised another room for him to stay in. When he went to his new room, I joined him and we walked up the staircase that leads up to the period room. As we got near to the top of the stairs, I noticed a woman sat reading a book. She had long red hair and a green dress. We reached the room and the woman was nowhere to be seen. She'd just vanished. I asked my work friend if he'd seen the woman and he just ran off. There was nowhere he could have gone without seeing her leave. The next morning at breakfast, I met up with my work friend and I asked him, was there a woman in that room last night? He didn't want to speak and ignored me until he finally gave in and admitted there was a woman and he saw her disappear. I knew it. During the 1990s, in the early days of the internet, I was a member of a website and forum called Ghost UK. They used to go on ghost investigations all over the UK and would invite people from the forum and I was invited to do one. I couldn't wait. I'd finally met with some people who were like-minded. We went to a house in Lancashire near Preston called Chingle Hall. I've covered this in one of my podcast episodes. It was amazing. I managed to debunk a few things, like banging coming from upstairs. It was trapped air in a pipe from an oil heater. The fridge door kept opening that was a loose floor stone. When you stepped on it, the fridge leant over and the door opened. Easy stuff. But I couldn't explain the figure of what looked like a cavalier walking through the great hall. It was like smoke. He just formed from nothing and then disappeared in front of all of us. We heard some great EVPs too. A baby crying and various voices. Get out. After joining this investigation, I was a hooked. I started my own group, and we went out most weekends. Isn't he just incredible? Oh, you guys really got to check out his show, Ghost Tales. 
by the fireside. You will love it. Trust me. All right. So we are going to wrap here in just a few. Uh, before we do, I want to do one final thank you to my moderators for this evening's event. Lee and Melissa, thank you so much for your help tonight. And I want to thank my guests, my three guests tonight. Absolutely incredible. I'm just blown away. Thank you all so much for being a part of this very special night for me. Um, final note on the giveaways. Last time I'll mention it. Uh, get your answers ready. You're going to send them over to paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. I, I just want to give you shirts. I want to give you things because I love you. All right. Uh, follow the show on the socials at Paranorm Girl Pod. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, you want to see more, you want to see some of the other stuff that I do, subscribe while you're over here. Uh, the replay of tonight's show will be available immediately on YouTube, of course. Otherwise, I will be replaying it on all of my regular platforms come Tuesday. So tell a friend, share the show, share the love. Speaking of sharing the love. What's up, everybody? This is Damien from RKB Paranormal and the host of Life Beyond Six Feet. I just wanted to take a minute to thank everybody for listening to one of my favorite podcasts, the Paranormal Girl Podcast with Kristen. And I also wanted to wish everybody a happy and spooky Halloween. Keep it creepy, guys. Hey, this is Chris from the Wall of Unusual Podcast. Just want to wish everybody a happy Halloween. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the happy Halloween message from Werewolf Radar. My name is Jordan Dahl. I am Nate Balding. And I am Roger Norquist. And we are here to wish you a happy Halloween. Halloween, a wonderful day when we gather around a roaring pumpkin and open our families to see what the pumpkin god has replaced their innards with. Thank you so much for inviting us to say happy Halloween on the Paranorm Girl podcast. Uh, on the count of three, let's all say happy Halloween together, huh? One, two, three. Happy, happy Halloween. Halloween, Spaceman Joe. Spaceman Joe's. <laughs>
being watched as I settled into bed at night, specifically from the dark hallway just outside my bedroom door. About two months after moving in, I woke in the middle of the night and felt an intense staring. I turned my head and peered down the hallway. At the end of it, where the hallway spilled into the living room, stood a small girl, lit with the moonlight coming through the living room windows. She was older and much taller than my own daughter, who was only two at the time and fast asleep beside me. The girl stood hanging from the living room around the corner, peering down the hallway right back at me. Her hair was blonde with low-set curly pigtails. The top portion of her dress, from what I could make out, was old-looking. It had some kind of flower design and a frilly lace neckline. She would have looked almost adorable, if not for her eyes. Two drilled-out black spots where eyes should have been. This might sound terrifying and deserving of a proper freakout, but, like I said, I'm stoic and have learned to take it in stride. This stuff does not get the reaction from me that perhaps it's trying for. I rolled, turning away from her, and went back to sleep. <laughs> Ooh, girl. Almost six months of living there, I noticed strange marks on the ceiling that hadn't been there before. Looking a bit closer, I quickly realized what they were, and I'll admit there was a bit of a chill that ran up my spine. Small, child-sized, black, sooty handprints trailed from the middle of the ceiling and out the door leading into the hallway. My brain fritz trying to grapple with the logistics of how either of my toddlers might have managed such a feat, placing neat small handprints in a perfect trail on the ceiling eight feet from the ground. And when I asked my 11-year-old about them, he looked up at them, obviously for the first time, and wondered out loud, what is that? I would also have a couple incredibly lucid, horrible nightmares in this place. Dark figures chasing me, strange men breaking in to kill me. I'd make it to the front door to escape, but I was never fast enough. By themselves, nightmares are not admittedly paranormal, but with everything else that was happening, it became a part of this chapter. It was a dark time. A lot of good changes began taking place in the year of living there, though. By the time the lease was almost up, I had found an awesome job. I met a whole new circle of supportive people. I got closer with my family, and I met a wonderful and kind man who wanted to be a part of our lives. We found a beautiful, pristine, and large house tucked in the hills of a nicer part of town and moved in together. It is two stories, has a fenced-in yard. He brought his dog. The kids have room to run and play, and things just quickly got better, and they still continue to get better. But I wanted to share with you something odd that has been taking place in our new home, and it seems to be directed at no one but me. I don't know if it's something from the last house or if it's the same something that's been hanging out with me all my life. I am unwillingly sensitive to this stuff, so maybe both. It started with the general feeling of being watched of never being alone. A couple of weeks after moving in, I was watching TikToks on the bed in our room upstairs. Through the doorway, you can see the landing and the banister leading down to the main floor. I was focusing my gaze on the videos in my hands, but could see a dark shadowy mass out of the corner of my focus approach the landing and proceed to go down the stairs. It was an immediate assumption that it was our dog going downstairs for a drink of water. A moment later, the jingling of her tags on her collar sounded from the foot of the bed. I sat up and visually confirmed that, yes, the animal I thought just moments before had descended the stairs had been soundly asleep on the floor the whole time. 
Now for the ending to my story and where it gets, huh, cock your head weird. I really like cheese dip. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> I am the only one to consume this stuff, and it is only kept on hand for me and my cheese dip and chip addiction. Girl, same. This bears repeating in a different way. No one else in my house eats it. Three weeks ago, I wanted to make some nachos or some other concoction that required nacho cheese. I opened the fridge to see the jar of dip sitting right there in the middle of the top shelf and I grabbed it. I noticed how low it had become and opened the jar to inspect. Unfortunately, there was a bit of mold that had started to form on one side. My boyfriend confirmed that it had been sitting in there for a while and that he would pick up a new jar for me in the following days. Something very specific about this jar was that it wasn't the standard shorter size most people get. This was the double size jar because you girls got a problem. I watched my boyfriend relid the jar and toss it into the garbage. That topped off the garbage. So being the ever so type A responsible grown up that he is, I watched him pull the full sack out tie it and walk out the front door to put it in the dumpster for pickup the next day. Fine, no cheese for me that night. The following evening, I went to the kitchen to start dinner, opened the fridge, and there, sitting in the middle of the top shelf, was a jar of cheese dip. Not just any jar, the same one. The same brand and size, with the same level of dip remaining that the jar from the previous night had. It was the same one. I turned to my boyfriend and asked him, didn't you toss this last night? I swear I watched you do it. To which he nodded and mumbled, hmm, that's odd. He grabbed it from my hand, inspecting it, and said, yeah, I don't know how it got back in there. Then I watched him throw it away for a second time. My boyfriend has not had the same experiences that I have, and throughout our conversations together, it's clear he thinks of any weird occurrence as no more than a coincidence, mistake, or forgetfulness. There's a logical reason and explanation. That being said, he's got one hell of a dark sense of humor about it and matches my own. So over the course of the following week and a half, we joked about the dip turning up again. We would turn over in bed and it's sitting in the dark corner, rocking in the rocking chair. Or we come home and it's sitting on the front steps. We joked about what we would do should it somehow turn up again. Maybe set fire to it and have a ceremonial burial in the backyard. He did replace the jar following its second visit to the dumpster, and I happily enjoyed it over the following week or so. About a week ago, I opened it to find that familiar mold already growing. I swear, Tostitos adds something in there to make it go bad faster. It's a cheesegate conspiracy. So we tossed it and added it to the shopping list. A couple of days passed without incidents of zombie cheese dip rising from the dead. Cheeses, if you will. And then, just morning before last, I woke up and went downstairs to start rousing the rest of the house. I saw it as soon as I stepped into the kitchen, a very large jar laying on its side right next to the kitchen sink. And I've included a picture of how I found it. Show you guys. Paranormal evidence. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if this was the most recent jar or the original. I don't think it matters at this point. What matters is that the hauntings and experiences I have had all of my life up until now have never affected me or my environment on this physical level. 
Despite this story, I have actually considered very logical explanations first. Is it me, and I am somnambulistically dumpster diving? God, I hope not. But I sincerely don't think this is the case. My boyfriend is the lightest sleeper I've ever had to sleep next to, which is unfortunate since I've been known to fart a time or two in my sleep. His eyes are probably wide open the whole night through. So let's just say he would notice me shuffling out the bedroom door. The only other logical thing I can think of, I don't even want to think about. It's creepier than any paranormal thing that could possibly take place. Have you ever heard stories about people living in other people's attics and crawl spaces for years before they are discovered? And we do have a door in the middle of our kitchen floor. We haven't taken the time to look down there since moving in, but have plans to do so this week. I think we would notice other things going on, though, if there was a full-on human being living right under our noses, don't you? That's the stuff of real nightmares. So for now, it remains a mystery. Maybe we just have a poltergeist who is as cheese-obsessed as I am. I just bought a new jar this morning, so I guess we'll know soon enough. And with that, I want to wish everyone a very happy, very safe, very spooky Halloween. Until next time, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.